as we're going through Exodus through the summer, I just want to encourage you just to remind everybody that uh, as I was reading it, there are different views of uh, how Exodus is broken down, and I wanted to kind of come up with what I saw, but it's also, uh, it's, it's right on track with what most people uh, uh, believe as well, but in what it proves about us, uh, about us and what it proves about God. And uh, just to remind us that um, God is our promise keeper. That's what we found out in chapter 1 that remember for that those 400 years that were uh, from from the time we really look at Genesis uh, to Exodus, that God had made a promise. And in chapter 1, that's where the promise, he says, man, I'm a promise keeper. I haven't forgotten you. I know uh, what I've told you. And see, if even if you take the chapters and you look at it for you and me, then one of the things that we need to remember is that there are promises in the Word of God about what God will do, how God will provide, that are in the Scripture. And we must never forget that God is our promise keeper. Then that's chapter 1. Chapters 2 through 10 uh, really, oh, let me go back. Chapters 2 through 10 uh, talk about that uh, God is our champion. Where, remember, he begins to champion the people by sending uh, the, the plagues to say, hey, let my people go. I need them. I need you to let them go. Although he hardened Pharaoh's heart, and that's where people sometimes go, well, why did he do that? Well, we know, which we're about to read, we know is for his glory. There are times that God does things, and it's really not our place to question it. We just got to have faith that he will see his work through. But uh, God became our champion. And now we're in the area of chapters 11, 13, where God is our deliverer. We see that um, God begins to make a way to deliver his people out of bondage, to deliver his people into freedom, uh, to not be the slaves of the, of the Egyptians. And that's 11 to 13. And then uh, uh, chapters 14 through 18, that's really where we are right now. We're starting at 14, 18. This is a section where we'll begin to see that God is our protector and our provider. And we can look at it um, through four, uh, chapters 14, 18. You can see God protecting his people when you see the pillar of fire and you, you see that uh, the, 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 the smoke that would uh, surround them and lead them, the fire by night so that they could see, that was uh, for his protection. Then we see right when they get to the Red Sea, the fire was leading them, the cloud was leading them, but then all of a sudden, here comes the Egyptians that we're about to read about, and he says, okay, I've provided a way for you to go into this new land, and I know that you're feeling the pressure of people coming, that, that the Egyptians, uh, but you You'll see the Egyptians were coming, but you'll see that God again hardened Pharaoh's heart, made him so angry that he began to pursue. We're going to take a look at that. And as he pursued them, uh, you'll notice in your scripture, it's very, very important to pay attention to for you, is that it's because he said, I want the honor. I want the glory. I want them to honor me. And they will understand what they've done to my people. And they will understand that they didn't trust me. And so right when they get to the Red Sea, he takes the, uh, the fire and the cloud. He puts it behind him. And he's right now, at first, he's, uh, he's providing for them a way. Then he says, I'm going to protect uh, you from behind as well. 
And then I'm going to provide for you as I split the sea. And then as, as we look at this, then we'll look at uh, the next chapters, 19 through 24, which is when he gives the Ten Commandments, and that's our moral compass that we understand, and then God's our source of worship, and that's chapter 25 through 24. So as we uh, look at, at this, we're taking a look at God, our protector, our provider. And for the next two weeks, we'll look at chapters 14 uh, through 18. What I want you to know about this is, uh, for those of you who like stuff like this, because I like to put it in there because I'm nerdy, but also because some people are really into this, and that is, where did they part in the Red Sea? So you should be, and let me know if I'm, in, I'm, I'm correct, guys, because I can't see it. You should be looking at a map right now, and what you're seeing, and the reason I want you to see this, is because if you look up where it says Lower Egypt in the top left-hand corner, that's basically right, right around where modern-day Cairo is. And here's what I want you to see. So those of you who are live stream, you should be seeing this picture. That's where modern-day Cairo is. And you'll notice kind of a V that runs down, and you'll see the Red Sea. Over to the left out of the Red Sea is now the Gulf of Suez. And then up above it where it stops, they have the Suez Canal that we know about. And on the right is the Gulf of Aqaba. And the reason I want to tell you this is because it's really cool to know. A lot of people get worried and say, well, where did they cross the Red Sea? Now, you take out the Gulf of Suez and the Gulf of Aqaba about this time, and all of that was considered the Red Sea. They weren't named. It was just, that's what the Red Sea is. So if you go down to the point between the Suez, uh, the, the Gulf of Suez and the Gulf of Aqaba, right there, almost, uh, almost at the tip where the purple, purple and red line meet, that's where Mount Sinai is, most people believe. But watch this. Take that, where those, the V is like this, and go to the right, uh, where it says Haladadera uh, on the right-hand side. Some people believe that's where Mount Sinai is. So you go, well, where did they cross? Well, some people believe if you go up to the V and you go all the way up the Gulf of Suez, see that little line? That's one option, that they crossed right there. And they went down what is now present day, the Gulf of Suez, and, and slowly made their way here. Some people believe that they crossed on the, uh, the Gulf of uh, Aquaba on the top right-hand side. And it's real interesting. Again, this is nerdy stuff for me. Back in the 70s and 80s and during the Gulf War, uh, this, this might interest you. What happened was everything was settled that they crossed over here uh, at the top of the Gulf of Suez. But then all of a sudden in the 70s, 80s, and during the Gulf War, they uh, accidentally found some stuff. Their archaeologists accidentally found some stuff because of the war that was going on and uh, because of some things that they inserts. But during that time, Saddam had taken, he had 1,500 tanks, uh, and he had taken them, and he had actually uh, dug holes and he put the tanks in the sand and all he left out was deterrent. And so that was so they could hide in the, in the sand and they couldn't see, flybys couldn't see. But they knew, uh, the allies knew that those tanks were there. And so America, from 150 miles up, took their satellite and they turned it a little bit and they looked down. And the reason they looked down is because there's a, a difference between uh, 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 the sand that was covering other than the turret and also 
the, uh, the tank itself. It was exposed. And so when they turned that satellite, it exposed those 1,500 tanks. And then they gave locations to the jets. And basically, they, that's how they destroyed those tanks. It was a heat, uh, a heat difference. It was a, uh, uh, it, they could see the heat as everything would uh, uh, get dark. They could still see the heat from the tank, even though the sand had remained just a little bit cooler. But during that, right over here at the top of the Gulf of Aquaba, look to the right, and those of you at home, I hope you're really paying attention to this, the Gulf of Aquaba, some people believe that they went all the way down there and crossed at the tip of uh, the Gulf of Aquaba that's closer uh, to Tim Timnah, where you'll see up there. And the reason they did is when the satellite turned and it threw all sorts of, it threw theologians and all these archaeologists into this frenzy, because now what it also captured is it captured all this debris in the uh, the Gulf of Aquaba, and then the archaeologists went and found it, and they uh, went and, and searched that area, and they found chariots, they found wheels of chariots, they found uh, 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 um, they found animals that were, uh, you know, the bones of animals, the bones of humans, and so now it threw everybody like, oh no, where did they cross? And well, the reason I want to tell you that is that's one option. They have really there's three to four options that they could have crossed there and then came down to Mount Sinai and some people said well they could have crossed there and at the tip of Aqaba and that's where Mount Sinai is and there's all sorts of things all sorts of things when you look at history now for some people that's very important for me it's the fact that I trust my God and uh, I don't belittle those things because I love to study stuff like that and there's still things about what that satellite saw that uh, have not been open to public because of you know because of confidentiality. But it's really interesting that during that time, 70s to 80s, and when, uh, when Saddam, during the, uh, Saddam and during the Gulf War, that all those things kind of caused everybody to go, well, where did they cross? And this is uh, where I, I want you to know, and I just want to answer a few questions that people mainly have. If you look at Cairo up here, which is right there where the low Egypt is, just a little bit to, uh, to the right of that. And then to the right is now modern-day Raman City. If you were to go from Raman City, which is if you go straight up the Gulf of Suez, and you were to go all the way to the edge of Canaan, that would be a five-day walk, right? If you people say, well, why... For five days, why didn't he just take that route? Why did he let the, the people wander in the wilderness for so long? Because if you take this red line down, that's actually, um, uh, it's less because it, there's, uh, there's mountains, but they traveled along. They believe that they traveled along those mountains where the other way took them a little bit longer and they had to uh, go through the mountains, which is uh, uh, why it was such a difference. But uh, this was a, a five-day walk down here. And then a two-day walk over there. And a lot of people say, I don't understand God. It's like this. Why did he put the tree in the garden if he didn't want them to eat it? And then they go, well, why did they wander in the wilderness when they could have made a five- to seven-day walk straight over there? And that's what causes us issues. And I want to start out the message just letting you know that those things are important to look at, but don't get caught up with them. Uh, it's it's kind of like, did God make the world in a little seven days, or was it... It doesn't matter. He made it. Uh, and, and I want us to know this, that while the mysteries of God's logic can be unfathomable, human logic will always fall short. 
and can even undermine God's greatness. And I think some people that get caught up in this being able to prove what you do is you undermine the greatness of God. When somebody says it has to be seven days, then I can quote a scripture that says what? Uh, one day is like a thousand years to the Lord. He could have taken 7,000 years to make this world. Time is an issue with us. We have to have something that says this is God in a box. But I want you to understand, the minute we take human logic and override the mystery and the unfathomable logic of God, sometimes we undermine the greatness. Listen, here's the bottom line. They crossed the Red Sea. Now, if you go, which one do you believe? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, It sure is. Human logic tells me where did all those wagon wheels come from? But then... It really doesn't matter. Let's not undermine God's greatness by saying this is the way it has to be. There's only one way that I say this is the way it has to be, and that is that no man comes to the Father except through the Son, period. You know? No, no one. That's something that you can't change. And so Exodus 14 and 15, let's go ahead and move over there and uh, start reading this. And I'm reading out of the New American Standard ver- Version. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying this, Tell the sons of Israel to turn back and camp before Fahiroth and between Migdal and the sea, and call camp, and they shall camp in front of the Baal opposite it, by the sea. It says, uh, I may need you to switch that for me. It's not really working. Uh, For Pharaoh will say the sons of Israel, they're wandering aimlessly in the land, and the wilderness has shut them out. Uh, And thus I will harden Pharaoh's heart and will chase after them, and I will be honored. If you want to highlight that in your Bible, underline it. God says, I will be honored. And so I want you to know, he says, I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And, 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 and they did so. So he's sitting there. When you go, well, what's, it, that doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. It does, it's human logic uh, to say, well, why would God do that? It doesn't matter. We know that he allowed that hardened heart so that God could be honored. So what I want us to learn through this is that difficult times can honor God. Uh, there are times, I can tell you, go back and everything that I've gone through that has been rough, I believe honored God. It honored God when I was faithful. It honored God because I saw him work and I would tell people about God. And some of you may be going through difficult things and you're going, man, this just doesn't make sense. I read my Bible every day. I have a quiet time every day. I go to church. I tithe. I do all the right things. You're basing your relationship off of the things that you do. And God says, I want you to base your relationship with me is that I'm with you always. I died for you. I sent my son for you. I'm going to give you uh, joy on this earth. I'm going to give you life on this earth, and I'm going to give you life in heaven. And so there are some times that difficult times can honor God. And some of you go through things, and they're small, but they're big to you. And then also you see somebody go through something. How many of you ever have seen somebody go through something? You go, I have no reason to complain. Anybody ever been there? I have no reason to complain complain. And then you look at them and say, man, I can't, I can't do that. Do you realize just the fact that you made that statement about a person that tells you, hey, be thankful for what you had, just honored God. And there are difficult days that are honor God. 
Difficult times will honor God. The next thing I want us to learn is this. When darkness pursues, don't panic. Darkness always pursues. Darkness is always pursuing. Satan doesn't want us to, to win. Satan want us, wants us to lose. lose. The world, even the world, they don't want churches to win. They, they don't want us to be around parts of the world, parts of our country. They don't, they don't like the churches. They hate anything about church. And yet they, they don't know anything about church. They don't know anything about God. Look what it says. In, in verse, 14, uh, verse 5, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart toward the people, and they said, what is this we have done? That we have let the Israel, Israel go from serving us. He began to question that. So he made his chariots ready, and he took his people with him. And he took 600 select chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. It says, uh, and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Look, and he chased after the sons of Israel as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. And he, uh, it says, and then the Egyptians chased after them with all their horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army. And they overtook them camping by the sea beside uh, Phi Harath in front of the Belzephon. And so there's this pursuit. And it says, And Pharaoh uh, drew near, the sons of Israel looked. And as he drew near, the sons of Israel looked. And behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened, so that the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now, everybody listen. This is a reminder of us. We see God work, and then we forget that God is working. So the two things I want you to learn here is that when darkness pursues light, uh, when darkness pursues light, don't panic. Don't panic. Darkness always pursues light. Satan does not like us. Those who don't know Christ, don't want to know Christ, hate God, will always have something negative to say about us. And we just need to get over that. It really doesn't bother me uh, because I'm going, well, the only thing that bothers me is that that person that says that, or those people that say that, they don't know Christ. And I want them to understand who they are in Christ and what Christ has done, done for them. And then uh, that third one is remember your history with God. Because see, already you'll see this over and over. The Egyptians, uh, I mean, the Israelites, remember, remember I did that message three or four weeks ago and it says all is well. All is well in Goshen, right? So they're sitting there and they're looking at the hell come down, but no hell hit them. They saw fire come down, no fire hit them. They saw frogs, no fr I mean, there were certain things that they saw, but it, they were dark. Remember when dark, darkness came over the land? All was well in Goshen. All the Egypts would look out and go, look at them. They have light. Everything's working at their place. We can't even hold a candle. But here they get to this point, and all of a sudden they see him coming, and even though God knows all, I, I, I could never put myself in God's shoes, but I'd go, well, maybe they'll remember. Maybe, but instead they start getting nervous. Here they come. Here come the chariots. Here's, here come the men. They're going to kill us, right? And they said to Moses, look, they said to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? It's kind of being smart, Alec. Oh, I guess there was enough holes, enough places for us. I mean, you've got to remember 600,000 men plus women and children walked out of there. So if he, which is 2.5, let's just do that. 
600,000 men, 600, men, now you got 600,000 women. Now you got 1.2 million people. Then you got to add children to that, right? You realize there could have been a million five, a million six people rushing out of that place. It says, uh, he says, what, there wasn't enough graves to bury us, so you brought us out here to the desert, and we're going to die, and you're going to bury us here. You ever realize how negative we are? That's where they went. Whenever you see somebody going negative, they just, you ever, everybody seen that? People go negative where you go, man, ease up. We quickly go negative. I, I've, I, I began, I really noticed this several years ago. I can say, hey, uh, man, have y'all eaten that new restaurant? And the people that go, oh, yeah, it's good. There's always somebody that goes, oh, that's gross. I hate it. Well, why do you have to tell me that? I didn't ask for that, Right. I just asked you a yes or no question. Did you eat at that restaurant? Yes. But it seems like we always want to go dark. We want people to know our negativity. Yes, and it stunk, right? Uh, uh, and so we are sometimes go dark very quickly. And uh, as, as they were going, they went dark very quickly and said, well, I guess we're just going to die in the desert. We're enough graves over there, so he'll put us here. Uh, why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Now they're looking at him going, why did you do this? They're about to kill all of us out of here. And he said this. He says, if, if this, uh, is this not the word that, that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. So they're thinking they're about to die. Let me, let me help all of you understand how you put that in your own life. You may think it's over. You may think, man, I, I just can't deal with this anymore. Right? You may think I made the right decision and it's just not working. Hold on. Hold on. And remember your history with God. The reason people give up on God quickly is because they don't have a history. I always teach that. If you find yourself questioning God, always giving up on God, always saying, well, I don't know, questioning the decisions you're making, not know if you heard God, listen, you probably didn't make good decisions. And that history with God is all you have. Well, start making a history with God. And then the next thing that I want you to learn is this. Stand, be still, and God will accomplish his work. He told them this. He said this. But Moses said to the people. So they're whining to him. And Moses said to the people, do not fear. Remember? Don't fear. So they're coming after us. Do not fear. Stand by. And that's what us as Christians, we as Christians need to do. Just stand by. I have been in conversations, and early on in my years, I used, to, I used to talk a lot. And I'm finding that I'm learning. It's very difficult just to keep your mouth quiet, and eventually we will get to the answer, right? I've sit and listen to people counsel, and I just keep my mouth quiet, and then they pretty much tell themselves what their problems is, and then they go, it, that's my problem, isn't it? And I go, well, that's really for you to decide. Well, what do you think? Well, I think you're right on track. And so, just if you just stand there and let God do his work, just stand still. So many people respond to negativity in their life. You know what? I really don't. Does it hurt inside? Yes. You know, I've been told I was fat and need to lose weight, uh, you know, when I, was in the, when I was in other ministries. I've been told, hey, we're leaving the church because your speaking ability is not that good. We, we get fed elsewhere. And it hurts a little bit, but I'm just going to stand and say, okay, thank you. 
and God will fight my battle. I'm going to stand, look, uh, st- stand by and see the salvation of the Lord. God will save me. God will pull me out of looking at myself based on what people say and saying, hey, I love you. Have you right where you are? When I was in youth ministry and, and even here. It says this, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. He's going to accomplish it. Look, stand and just be still. And he'll accomplish his will. Don't fight it. Don't try to work it yourself. Don't try to manipulate it. Just let him do his work. Some of you are in the midst of big decisions. Some of you are in the midst of things that are happening to you that are not pleasant. Just stand, be still, and let God do his work. Don't fight the battle. The battle's not yours. And what all the people did is they go, oh, no. And God goes, just stand. Moses said, stand. Stand by. The, the salvation's coming, and he'll accomplish for you today. And the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. Boy, they didn't realize what that meant. So the law will fight for you while you keep silent. That's where I get all those points. Listen, guys, what he was saying is, hey, hey, just quit. Just stand and see. Be still. And be silent. And God will accomplish. Quit trying to do things yourself. Let God do them. It says, and then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. As a pastor, I loved that line. Because sometimes you you don't know what decision to make. Or you've made the decision, but then everybody's, you know, everybody has a different opinion. (laughs) And you go, oh, Lord, you know, I don't know what to do. And then I read this, and it's almost like like, uh, uh, God's repeating back to me, why are you crying to me? Because I've already told you what to do. Do what I've asked you to do. It will happen. And for many of us, we cry out to the Lord and goes, I've already told you what to do. And you go, well, I didn't hear you. Well, you know what it says. So if you have a hard time forgetting, forgiving or being angry and mouthing off at somebody, and, and somebody y'all do. And, God's, and you go, God, I can't help it. And he's looking down going, why are you crying out to me? I've already told you in my word that you're supposed to forgive, so just forgive. I've already told you my word, you're supposed to be kind, so just be kind. I've already told you my word, you're supposed to be patient, so just be patient. You're crying out to me, but the truth is already there for you. So stand by, be still, and God will accomplish will. The next thing I want us to read is do your job and be obedient. It honors God. Look, as for you, he said, you lift up your staff and you stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through in the midst of the uh, midst of the dry land. As for for me, behold, I will harden the heart the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his armies through his chariots and his horsemen. You know, it's interesting. He always talked about honoring. I mean, he always talked about hardening. Are y'all with me? <laughs> he always talked about hardening Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh's heart. Do you notice here? He says, I will harden the Egyptians. Because it's always hard for us to understand, how could so many people, after after seeing 
the blood in the Nile and the frogs and the locust and the hail and the fire, all those things, there had to be some Egyptians going, man, just let him go, Pharaoh. I, God's real. It just, it's causing problems. But it says this, how can all those people follow him? Right? You take 600 chariots and you put two, sometimes three people in each one. You add that up just on the chariots. It's a lot of people. How did that many people follow and go, man, I'm, I'm going to just get in last line and I'm going to take my chariot and kind of go off to the right. I'm not going to die for this guy. I believe in God. But it says that he, uh, he hardened the hearts of not Pharaoh, but all the Egyptians. Why? For his honor. It says, so that they will go after them and I will be honored. See that? Through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Can you imagine the people that were left? See, we don't think about this. The people that, that all of a sudden Pharaoh left, he takes all the army, he takes most of the men, and there's his moms and dad, moms and grandpas and, 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 and the little children, and they're just waiting for their husbands and their fathers and their grandfathers to come back and they never come. They don't return. What do you think those people are going to do? Well, some of them are going to honor God and go, you know what? Pharaoh was a fool. And my husband or my father or my, they were a fool to follow him. But God says, watch this. There are times where I want this because I want people to honor me. I want them to honor who I am. He said, I want to honor through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. And his horsemen. Then, then I want you to do this. God will lead, protect, and take on your troubles. And that's what begins to happen. So the, the one before that is do your job and be obedient. That's all he asked to Moses. Moses, don't look at me. Do what I've asked you to do. When I tell you to raise your hand, you raise your hands. You raise the staff. The water will part. And you just do what I ask you to do, and I'll do the rest. Be obedient. Look, do your job. Be obedient. and honors God. You go, well, what's my job? Well, if you read Scripture, which I know you do, if you're at your job and you don't like it, you honor God by doing what God's Word says. You honor Him by doing everything to be at peace with all men. If you cause havoc in somebody's life because you don't like what's going on, you're not honoring God. So you take all these things in the Old Testament, this story, and I believe they're true for our lives. Some of us don't honor God, and we, we really, some of us do our work as unto men. That's not how you're supposed to work. If I did all my work as unto men, just in the church, if I did it just for men, I'd go crazy, because you can't, you can't make men happy. Men, are, men and women are going to always have their own, uh, their own decisions and their own thoughts. But I do my, my work as unto the Lord. So when somebody doesn't agree with me, when somebody treats me the way I believe God wasn't supposed, we're not supposed to be treated because God says that, then if I just do my job, it will honor God. I just got to be obedient, and, and it honors God. And the, la- the next one is God will lead, protect, and take on your troubles. So all of a sudden they're looking, and this is where... It says this. It says the angel of God who had been going before the camp of Israel. Remember, that's him providing a way. That's these chapters of provision. He said, hey, the fire, the light, the cloud, it's going to provide you a channel. 
And look here, angel of God who had been going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. It's as if God says, I'm paving a way for you. Oh, no problem. Let me put my armies back there. And while he's moving forward, he's also standing behind you going, nothing will overtake these children. Well, what about if you looked at your own life, that God will pave a way for you? You don't understand what you need to do, where you need to go, right? What if he paved a way for you, and then you look back to the past, or you're looking back at something that keeps on bothering you, and God says, I got the back. I got your back, and I got your front. I'm going to provide a way for you, and I'm going to protect you while we're doing it. And you notice, you notice he can do it at the same time. You go, well, the cloud that was providing left them. <laughs> no, no, it left them. Then God said, whoop, split in the ocean. And they saw the provision of the Lord while he protected them. And that's what he's doing with some of you. And you're stuck in the middle, and you're complaining about whatever you're in, and you're negative, and you walk into this negativity, and it's very, very difficult for you. Whenever people go through negative points, if that's you going through this negative time, I mean, that's when you pour your life into the Scripture and get to know Jesus more and more. Or you'll begin to take those negative thoughts, and it'll affect your health. It'll affect your attitude. It'll affect the way you look at God. Your human logic will look at God and say, I don't think you're working in my life at all. When what you need to do, what, is go by God's logic. That's a mystery. It's unfathomable that he will get you through this, but he will. All right? It says this, it says, so it came between the camp in Egypt and the camp of Israel, and there was the cloud along with the darkness, yet it gave light to the night. Thus, the one did not come near the other all night. And what it's saying is he provided for them. See that provision, that provision and protection. It says, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind. And here's where a lot of archaeologists, a lot of theologians struggle with this. They go, well, that wind, how in the world? Those people had to get wet because if the wind's coming from the east, it's hitting the water of all that's on the west. Y'all, you're thinking, people do this. And I go, oh, my goodness, you're wasting your time. Because, yeah, if you're coming from the east, how in the world did a strong east wind bring up both sides? It doesn't matter. That's God's mystery that's unfathomable. And you know what? He even dried up all the land. Look, he swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land. How is that possible? So that the waters were divided. And the sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea and on dry land. And the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Yeah. Man, can you imagine having to walk through that? I, I think I've told you this. I always think of Moses just going, wow, and he's on the staff and he tells the people to move. And one of the funniest things to me, if, if y'all go ahead. And there's that first person looking at those walls of water. Can you imagine? You had, you know how much faith it took to walk down? I, I probably, my faith at that point may have been, hey, you can go first if you want. I don't want to go. You, you guys go ahead of me. Let's see if this falls in. And that's actually how people test their faith. Let's see how they're doing. You know, God treats everyone differently. And then it says, the Egyptians took up, uh, took up the pursuit and all of Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen went in after them in the midst of the sea. And it says, at morning, 
Watch the Lord. Uh, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and brought the army of the Egyptians into a confusion. So first he brought them into confusion. It's one thing that one of those movies, the last big movie, uh, got right, and that for no reason, the horses and everything, they, they caught that. There was just confusion. And it's, like, it's almost like God says, I'm going to stop all this. This has brought the army of Egyptians into confusion, and he caused their chariot wheels uh, to swerve. And he made them drive with difficulty. So now they're just kind of doing that thing. And God's going, that's me. I got this. Look. So the Egyptians said, let us flee from Israel for the Lord is fighting for them against the Egyptians. See, we don't see that in the movies that, that when all of a sudden they said, listen, we, we, we can't do this. This is God. He's, he's hit us with the logos. He's hit us with all these different, uh, 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 all these different things that have these plagues. And now look, he's doing this. Then the Lord said to Moses, now stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over their chariots, and over their horsemen. Let everybody look right. Can you imagine Moses holding that staff, watching the people go, then getting up to the top, and then he says, drown them. For us, we'd go, yeah, but I wonder if he dealt with it, if I let this down. But then he's got all these people that are just looking at them coming. Yeah, they're, they're confused and things are going bad, but then Moses does what? He's obedient, and he just does what he's asked because it will honor God. And it says this, he says, stretch your hands over the seas so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over their chariots and over their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to normal state at daybreak. And while the Egyptians were fleeing right into it, then the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, and even Pharaoh's entire army that had gone into the sea after them, not one of them remained. But the sons of Israel, well, they walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, and the waters were like a wall to them, the right hand and left. And thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of, of the Egyptians. See, some of you are wondering, when is he going to save me? When is he going to save me from my boss? When is he going to save me from this relationship? When is he going to save me? Just do what you're supposed to do. Honor God. Let him fight your battles. He's gone before you. He's right behind you, and he's in the midst of you. He says, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead in the seashore. Listen, and when the Israel, when Israel saw the great power which the Lord used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord. They were in awe, and they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. So what do we do with all this? Well, it's a beautiful story of God's provision and protection. And you go, well, how can I put that in my life today? Some of us, all of us, are going to go through what we call wilderness moments. You with me? A divorce is a wilderness moment. A job loss is a wilderness moment. Cancer is a wilderness moment. Being caught up in anger and negativity is a wilderness moment. And your logic and my logic says there's no way that I can get through this. But remember, our logic undermines the greatness of God sometimes. But if we just go with God's logic and it's unfathomable, then we know he's going to provide. Wilderness moments, uh, uh, wilderness moments can be some of the most difficult times in your life. But also, 
some of the most rewarding. Even when you don't feel like God is working, you can be assured that he is working for your good and for his glory, his honor. So I want you to walk away this week, whatever you're going through, knowing that what a great story of God's provision and uh, protection. Now, I'm going to close, and what I want you to do is during the week, I do want you to read 15 and 16 and 18. Well, I've already read it. Go back and read it again. You probably missed a lot because we always do. And and uh, really read 15 through 18. But what I want you to focus on is chapter 15, that right after it happened, look, look at this, because I want to teach on it, but I may touch on it because I, I, of the timeline of what we're doing. But I want you to really stop and put yourself that you just walked through this ocean, you just walked through this wilderness, you've been fearful, and now you've, you, you're, all, you're standing there, and you've watched them all die, and the water gets calm. I hope you're with me. The water just gets calm, and they're all standing there. And then they went... Oh, God, you're incredible. Well, chapter 15, the first part of it, is a song that somebody wrote uh, for them, and they began to sing it, the first part of 15. And, And if you just read it, then Moses and the sons of Israel sang the song to the Lord and said, and then began to read it. They're standing there, they're singing this song. Because, and every word will make sense to you if you paid attention to what they just went through. And... Listen, as you go through your wilderness time, this is the last thing I'll say. When you finish, don't forget to sing. Don't forget to sing in your heart to how wonderful God is, how great God is, how he brought you through. Sometimes we get through, we say, I made it, but we never forget that it was God who protected us and provided for us. And we never sing our own little song to God. Never sing our song. Make sure that you know after a wilderness experience, God's going to give you a joy, and you'll sing your song. And it may not be your song, but it may be a song that you listen to on the radio that you see in a worship thing, and your heart just connects with it. Right? And you can go, wow, that reminds me of everything I've been through. That's God giving you a song for him. Well, let me pray for you and uh, we'll be in contact. Thanks again for joining us this morning. Thanks to you out there and uh, uh, the other folks that are watching through live stream. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Continue to pray for our country. Continue to pray for our church and continue to live your life, okay, that is worthy of imitation of others because you're living a biblically based life. Uh, uh, So, uh, just to remind you of this, and that's good. Barbara, did you type that out? That's good. I don't know. I didn't put that. Throw that next one up. Uh, there were walls between us by the cross, and you came and you broke them down. I don't know if that's a song, uh, but I just saw it up there. I thought maybe it was a message for me, but it is good. There's a wall between us, but he'll break it down. So, Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for loving us, providing for us. We thank you for your wonderful word in Exodus, for the wonderful lessons we learned from other people called the Egyptians and the Israelites, and Moses, and Aaron. So help us apply that to our life and know that if we're in a wilderness moment or when we get to that wilderness moment or when we're walking out of the wilderness moment, that you're protecting and providing. And may we sing our song to you because I know you're a great, great God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a great day. God bless you. Have a great week.